So this month, I get to kick off women of the Bible. There are good women in the Bible. There are heroines in the Bible. Um, there are bad women in the Bible, as it is with men. Uh, some of the women have names. So our woman today that we're looking at, her only name that we know is Widow's Olive Oil. She's the widow that had the olive oil. What's interesting about the Old Testament, and it's going to be an Old Testament story, and it's the same with the New, but when in the Old Testament, it's, it's definitely uh, a history book. There's so much. You know, people going, I read the Bible, I don't get anything. You weren't looking for anything. And if it's, especially if it's a letter written to believers, there's much more because the letter's written to you. But anyone reading it, it's a history book. It's a rich history book. And so you have what's on the page about being history, who is in charge, uh, motivations, what motivates people, what, what uh, deflates people. It's, it's about human nature. But even then, it goes beyond that. It talks about God's nature. What moves God's hand? What, what uh, brings blessing? What gets God's attention? So you have all this going on, and then I call it the Holy Spirit echo. There is a prophetic edge to it. And some people can hear that echo. They're reading, when, when we teach up here, some people are listening to the teaching, and at the same time, they have a parallel story going on. They're applying it immediately to them or in situations they've been in. And that is the, that's the Holy Spirit speaking to us on a prophetic level, giving some insight. It doesn't happen every week. It doesn't happen to everybody. But we're going to take a look at the physical, what happened, and look into the spiritual impact of it. I, I was at the event with uh, Pastor Peter, and he asked me, what, what are you teaching on Sunday? And I told him, he goes, oh, yeah, I remember you teaching on that before kind of ticked me off. <laughs> he couldn't remember anything I said, but it's just... And so I went back, it just kind of challenged me, and I went, uh, I just said, Lord, I, I want a revelation of this. I, did, I just don't want to see what's on the surface, that, that easy, low-hanging fruit, you know, be faithful, you know, keep your nose wiped, brush your teeth, you know, just kind of like that generic... And I believe the Lord gave me something, but it's so life-changing. I really believe it's going to be a profound word for just a few. You know, I, I think everyone can learn from it. Everyone can say, oh, wow, that was prophetic. So prophetic, I don't know what he's saying. Um, <laughs> But because of the nature of, of this word, and that I'd not heard, I mean, it really was a revelation for me, and then I started seeing it over and over, that Holy Spirit echo throughout the New Testament, these principles I'm going to mention. It just keeps echoing. I keep getting other examples, and I'm not seeing it revealed so obviously. And that's what you want. If it's obvious to you, like you're going, oh, you know, I could have had a V8 moment, you know. You just received the prophetic. It's been, a curtain has been pulled back that you can see through. 
that surface. You can see through just the history of it. You can see past all this. And some of the background, the history uh, of this is one thing that we really just need to understand is olive oil. She was Popeye's best friend. Uh, but olive oil is kind of like the Old Testament, you know, cell phone. It was everything. Is your cell phone everything? It's your appointment book. It's this, it's that. You know, you're like, I, I've, you know, I have blood coming out my ears. What's this, you know, what's wrong? Well, olive oil, olive oil was used to, to light lamps. If you ran out of fuel, for you, it, would, it was a part of their religious, once a year when the families would come together, they would have to extract their own olive oil from their tree and make oil. And it said, you know, the Lord has provided a, a light to their family. It was medicine. It was for their hair. It was for, it was deodorant. It was for, uh, you know, for cuts. It was a beauty thing. Olive oil was about every part of people's lives back then, much like your phone today. It's every part of your life. And so it, it's a real important part. And so we're going to see how the story comes up. Let me first read the scripture. That's going to be our reference. It's in 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1. The wife of a man from the company of prophets cried out to Elisha. I want you to know if you're British, this is Elisha. That's how they pronounce it. We say Elisha. Um, it says that her husband, who's passed away, was part of a group of prophets. And now he has passed away. And great trouble has come into her life on this. It says, your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that he revered the Lord. But now his collector is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all. Oh, wait, except a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, go around and ask your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside, shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil in all the jars. And as each is filled, pour it to one, uh, put it to one side. She left him, shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. When the jars were full, she said to her sons, bring me another one. But they replied, there is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She, sent and t she, she went and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what's left over. The, there's three points that, that I'm going, there's many, many points in this story from whatever angle we come from. The first one is just crucial for us to understand. And I hope to make the point that we're going to see this in the New Testament. And that is, what, point, what he points out is 
the answer's in your house. He didn't come. He didn't give her something. He didn't say, you know, he said, he basically said, the answer's in your house. What do you have? And isn't it the whole, the whole way that this, this just rolls out is <clears throat> the first thing is when you're going through trouble, this woman, her sons are going to be drug off into slavery. What's supporting her right now is her sons. Her support is about to be taken off. She's going to be left less than destitute, I mean homeless. And whenever you get in that kind of trouble, don't we all panic? There's just a panic. And it doesn't matter what counsel you get, there's a panic. You always fall back, but, but, but. Here's what the prophet says. He goes, be stable. Stable yourself. Tell me what's in your house. What do you have and what do you not have? What's in your house? He said, it's like, you've got to be stable in a moment like this and do an inventory. You have to take inventory. What do you have? It's interesting. She immediately says, I have nothing. I have nothing. She's in panic mode. Oh, wait a minute. I do have a little oil. There's a stability that needs to take place when you're in a crisis like this. And it, it's to take, it is to, to, to take an inventory of what's in your house. What's in your house? And I want to relate this back to, you know, when Jesus told the parable of the lady with the lost coin... What if she goes, I'm done, I'm, no. She got a broom out and started sweeping because the answer was where? Jesus tells the story, he says, the answer's in your house. She lost a coin in the house, look in the house. Peter, when he was going to the temple and the beggar stopped and what did he ask? Oh, sir, sir, could you give me something? What did Peter do? Peter took inventory of his house. He goes, silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have, I'm going to give it to you. This, the New Testament talks about, Jared Mellick, are you here? <laughs> What's the name of your, your Saturday morning? In the house with Jared Mellick. And all the shooters are, it's in the house. Your answer's in the house. Not with Jared, with Jesus. <laughs> it's in the house. It's in here. Somewhere God has put a talent in you. He's put a dream in you. He, he's giving you some ability. You said, I got nothing. Because you're in a panic. You're not being stable. The Philistines were coming to kill Samson. He didn't have a chance. He was defenseless. You know what he did? He said he reached back and he felt something. The jaw of a donkey. The bone. That bone's been there a long time. It was in the house. He 
just reached back. It was in the house, and he wiped them all out. The word of God is saying it's in the house. Elisha didn't have anything to give to her. He did not give her a thing except take inventory of your house and tell me what's there. Hmm. When the, the 5,000 gathered around Jesus and he talked late into the evening and they were all hungry. They go, what are we going to do? There's 5,000 people out there and we got not too much money. He goes, go look in the crowd and gather what they have. Where was the answer? It was in the house. Five loaves and two fishes. And what did the Lord do with that? The answer's in the house. What's in the house? But in a panic, it's not enough because it's in your hands. It's in your hands. It's not enough. A million dollars in your hands isn't enough. You're going to blow it. The Lord is saying, what's in your house? Well, we need to be stable to take the inventory. There can't be the whining. What's wonderful, I mean, she told her story, but the whining stopped because here's where the whine comes in. It's not like, oh, my husband, he's dead now, and the debtors are coming. That's not whining, it's facts. The whining comes whenever the prophet gives you the answer, the word of God gives you the answer, and you put, but... Everything after but is a whine. Amen. Everything after but is just, just it's, you've shut your ears. You're not listening. You're not obeying. Faith is dead. There's a point where you say the facts and you listen for the answer. It's in the house. But I got nothing. It's amazing. This lady said, I got nothing. Oh, wait. I do have a little oil. I do have a little oil. She didn't go, but it's only this much oil. <laughs> it's not that good of oil, is it? No. When I take inventory, when you take inventory, you see those guys at the 7-Eleven, they're going, beep, beep, beep. You know, they're going, oh, this bag looks pretty bad. You know, they just took inventory, what they have and what they don't have. Don't have a running comment out. That's whining. Take inventory of what you do have. The Lord has given you... A, 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 a name of someone, of someone that you've met. He's giving you a personality that's winning. He's giving you some talent, some ability that somebody wants or something the Lord can use to bring the answer. Now, that is not the answer. See, whenever you're in trouble, I want to go one, one store shopping. I want the answer. I'm in trouble. Give me the answer. Going, take the inventory. I need an answer. The answer's in your house. Take inventory. I want to call somebody and I want them to send me an envelope full of money. You're panicked. You're not listening. Elisha gave her nothing except instructions. The answer's in your house. Take inventory. An honest inventory. Well, there is, there is dreams, there's thoughts, talents, personality, and guess what? You may have a garage full of crap. 
and the answer may be in there. I'm building on my mother-in-law suite um, this gabled roof coming out eight foot so you're not standing in the rain. It has a nicer entrance. And there was a piece of wood that had to be a special cedar, western cedar. And I went to the barn. I had pictures of it. I said, ah, that's just fluff. And I have all this crap in my barn. I got to have that. I got to have that. I've been collecting for 30 years. I built this entire thing out of lumber that I have gathered, big, true 6x6, 4x12 cedar lumber. When I see a house getting tore down, you know, a restaurant, I, I need that. <laughs> I built the entire thing out of it, except I was short one piece, and it was a specific size across member. Like, what am I going to do? I go back to the barn, and I see this crappy piece of six, it's a six-inch by 12-inch cedar plank. Now, come on, man. Any self-respecting carpenter sees that in a dumpster. Southern, I mean, western cedar, you can't leave it. Amen. You know, it was about six foot tall, but it had been busted, and the outside looked horrible. So I thought, hmm. I'm going to go to my neighbor, Joe, and I'm going to mess up his wood shop. And I ripped this thing down to the exact size I needed. You would not believe the beautiful piece of wood that was in that piece of crap. The answer was in the house. I couldn't have gone down to Thomas Lumber and done that, especially not for free. The answer... In the house. The Lord always has us look to the house. But you got to be able to take inventory of what you are and what you aren't, what you have and what you don't have. See, there's some people who don't take inventory and they think they are something that they're not. That's not going to bring an answer either. You got to be honest in, in your inventory. Now, this lady. Thought about she had nothing and she thought about it. Well, there's the other side of it is you think you're everything and you're not. And there's going to be no answer found in that. But the Lord has placed something in you that God says, take this inventory. Well, it brings us to our next point. Do not despise the little you have. This lady almost missed it. She goes, oh, I have a little oil. She was about to go fast. And he backs up. He goes, uh-uh, wait a minute. Don't despise the little you have. You know, you know what? why you despise the little you have? Because your neighbor next door has so much more, and this one over here, and your brother has so much more, and your parents had more, and so you despise what you have, and the Lord says, but they didn't put it in my hands. I'm asking you that what you have to put in my hands. Trust me for what you have. You want me, you want to trust me for what you don't have. Why don't you start trusting the Lord for what you do have? Take inventory. You know, it says that you can't be a believer in God and not have received some gift from the Lord. 
He's given you a gift. You may not have dis- you may not have discovered your gifting, either one of service or one of spirituality. But Corinthians clearly tells us that every believer has been given a gift. Maybe you've not taken inventory and found out. You know, a lot of the times, there's a good chance that one of her boys were standing right there when she said, oh, I got nothing. So one of the boys goes, Mom, we got oil. Sometimes you need somebody beside you to see what you have because you're blind to it. You might need someone to go, you're great at this. You've, do you know how many friends you have that want to help and you just don't let them? Do you know how many places you could get a better job? You become blind to it. And that's what it means to not despise. Don't whine about what you've lost. Don't whine about how little you have. It's... I, 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 can't, I, can't, I can't tell you how the conversations that go on with people who come in for counseling and, and those of you who have counseled is that someone, they come in, and I, I don't even know what it would be, 60% of them, it's more than half, they come in, they're like, this is so horrible, this is so horrible, these are the facts, are great, got facts. Now, take inventory, what do you have? Nothing but now that's whining. And you're giving them specific steps to do, and they can't do it. And they talk, you know, that as they go out, even if they agree with you right there, as they walk out, get in the car, drive home, they've talked themselves out of it, why it's not going to work. Because they despise what little they have, instead of being thankful that they still have something. It is amazing. It is amazing, this cloud that comes over you when you're in that type of a, a difficult spot. And number three, this increase your capacity to capture the answer. What I love about this is, and this is what blows everyone's mind, all right? You're in trouble. Your marriage isn't making it. And we say, well, you just got to do this. You know, you're going, I'm out of gas. I can't do that anymore. I used to do that. I've done it. No, no. We need to increase. Look what this Elijah told this lady. She goes, I'm in debt. I'm in debt, and the debtor is coming to take my sons away. What do I need to do? He goes, go and borrow all the pots. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. You, Elijah, you didn't understand. I'm in debt, and you're telling me to get more in debt. You want me to go borrow. I have borrowed. Yes, I know, I know. All right, go borrow. No, <laughs> I'm in debt, and you're telling me to go borrow. That, that's the exact wrong thing. Just, doesn't that sound wrong to you? But what he was trying to say, I have to increase your ability to capture, to capture what God's going to pour out on you. Because here's the thing about God. He doesn't waste it. You see, the story goes that she sends the boys out to borrow all these pots. And she takes her little bowl and starts pouring and fills this one and fills this one and fills this one. She goes, get more pots. They go, that's all the pots we have. The second all the pots were filled, it stopped flowing. 
How often do we ourselves have friends who the Lord blesses and they go to pour that blessing out in their pot that they have? It's this big and it's filled and the flow stops. You need to increase your capability to capture. What does that mean? Do you know what? One thing that keeps you from capturing and holding on to stuff is your unforgiveness of some people. It could be your greed. It could be your anger. You can't, you can't fill up any more pots in your life because you have such resentment against some people. There's a blindness. Some of you don't have the education at this point to hold on to what's given you. The Lord could give you an idea or a thought or a, a, an opportunity, but you don't have quite enough knowledge to do that thing that's going to capture the answer. Does that make sense? I need to keep going. He said, well, I'm just not smart enough to do it. You better go borrow something and, and increase that knowledge so that you can capture what the Lord wants to pour out on you. And that blessing comes. Well, I don't want to get my contractors. Oh, you know, And you can't capture the blessing that's going to come. I don't want to learn how to do that, that computer program. You can't capture how God wants to pour out on you. He's pouring out on you right now, but your pot is this big because you won't go and deal with the things that's going to increase your ability to hold on to the blessing. Small-mindedness keeps you. I just wish the Lord would bless me. That so-and-so over there, he gets every blah, blah, blah. That's small-mindedness. You don't have the ability to capture the blessing. Because if your pot's this big, as soon as it's full, it stops and it's not going to be enough. It's not going to be enough. I don't know what it might be that you need. I have to grow in patience to work with some people. But unless you work with these people and you learn from them, you have no pots to put, to catch. I need that forgiveness. I need, I need, I need to find out how to get more energy. I need to find out how to get healthier because I'm not healthy enough to have a work ethic, to capture the blessing. That's the process that the Lord uses. Now, these are the same, the, the three things if you're in a small group, and not everybody is at this place in their life, but these are the three things that need to be discussed if you're in a small group this week. You know, if, the, if, if you're at the place where you think you have the answer, you've given the dream, you, maybe you don't, you, know, you, don't, you don't know what your talent is, your ability. Why don't you ask somebody at the small group? You're telling, I feel like I got nothing. But Mark said, we've all been given a gift. I believe, I believe ability and spiritually. And you may not see it, but you need someone to go poke you and go, are you kidding me? 
You are absolutely, and actually, usually what people who are very talented in an area think they are, that's their worst area because they have such a high standard that they want to reach that they don't think they reach. But everyone sees the, the, the level of proficiency and excellence that you move in. You, you need to discover what God has put in the house. What has he put in your house? Is it physical skill? Is it a spiritual skill? Is it a labor skill? Is it a clarity of, of, of mind? It's interesting. Um, I'll see. We have somebody in our church that never was drawn to um, pursuing education, but his mom and dad are clear thinkers and educated. And he goes to get a job at one of a, the businesses that we're related to here. And in the interview, he was going for a receptionist job. In the interview, he said, wait a minute. I think someone overheard him, came in. He goes, let me, let me come in here and I want, to talk to, I want you to talk to this person. And so they talked to him, talked to him. He left in a management position. And since then, he's been given promotions and bonuses and he's, it's just a miracle. Why? He never saw himself in that position, but somebody recognized what was in him. He went in for a receptionist job. He comes away a manager. Someone else recognized it. Praise the Lord. God's put something in all of you. And if, I don't know if you've talked yourself out of it. If you have friends who've talked you out of it? If the devil's talked you out of it? But the Lord today, and receive this as a word from the Lord, he said, take inventory of your house. What's in your house? Now, build upon it. He told the lady, go get pots. How are you going to build upon it? What do you have to do so that if the Lord blesses it, you're going to have capacity because as soon as you fill up that capacity, it stops flowing. That was it. And it's going to go against your flesh, just like it, it probably went against this lady's flesh. Go and borrow. You're telling someone in debt and losing their sons to get more in debt. And she did it. Who wants to pour out yourself and see it keep flowing? Who wants to continue to see, oh, I didn't know that was in me. Oh, I didn't know that was in me. I didn't know that was in me. I didn't know that was in me. When is this flow going to stop? It's going to stop when you run out of pots. Are you ready to honor those little things that you've forgotten, maybe never discovered? 
to humble yourself and take inventory. Well, I'm not that. And have someone else say, yeah, but you are this. How can we build on it? I want to speak over those who are desperate. Not just you want more. You, you can get in on it. But you're desperate and it's blinding you. You have nothing to give. You're desperate. And everything's kind of a whine now. It's not just the facts. But you can't hear what the answer is. You can't take inventory. Because you're so desperate. It could be anything from loneliness to marriage to your income to lack of any hope. Just fun. You're desperate. You've got to humble yourself. If not here this morning, in another setting, maybe, like I said, a small group or a friend. But it's time for it to flow. But you know what? It's going to stop as soon as you fill up your little pot. You've got to increase your capacity to believe God for greater. Greater than just this. Just get me through the week, Lord. Now, he told this lady, he goes, fill up all these pots. Now, go settle your debt. Don't go off and buy something. Go settle your debt. And now, live off the rest. Live off the rest. If you're desperate for this flow of God, his blessing on your little bed. For you to do whatever you have to do to increase your capacity. That, that as it starts to flow, you've, you've got business. You've got, I've got some place to take this blessing and settle these issues. I'll increase my capacity, whatever it is. If it's, like I said, anger, greed, unforgiveness. Lack of education, lack of wanting to learn a new skill, learning a new ability on the computer, a new job, taking yourself to another level. Increase your capacity. I'm going to end up having everyone stand, but I just want those who are desperate right now, so I can, I can, I'm just going to point to you and speak a blessing. I want those desperate people to stand up. Amen. Amen. Here's what the Lord would say to you. It's in your house. It's in your house. It's in your house. Take inventory. And if you come up with a zero, get someone to help you. It is in your house that you'll find this answer and the enemy is hiding it from you. It's in your house. And when you find it, how do you... Increase your capacity because the flow is going to come.
How are you going to hold on to it to pay your debt? And then live on it. So let's join in. Let's all stand and receive. So Father, we your people, we thank you for your word. Father, I just speak that the flow be on everyone's life in here. That we all are going to increase our capability of holding on to the blessing. Whining is done. It's not, we're, not, we're not saying that there aren't problems. We're not saying we don't have them. We're not saying we don't, are not worried about it. But we have a God who gives, and that is you, the Lord. The Lord Most High. The Lord Most High. Father, let your flow, let your flow come upon us as we discover our inventory, as we respect what you have given, what's left. And we humble ourselves to increase our capacity to hold on to it. We ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen.